This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. This is Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Innovative thoughts from baseball's best coaching minds from around the world. Brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, former USA Baseball National Team coach, Peter Caliendo. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at in the U.S. and around the world. Welcome to Baseball Outside the Box. The show loves to interview baseball's greatest coaching minds from all over the world. And we are thrilled that you could join us on today's show. And we've got another good one. At least we always think we do, right? Because we got great, great guests that come on and really appreciate it. First of all, before we start, special thank you to ESPN Honolulu. Aloha, everybody. Thanks for hosting the show there. Um, we really appreciate that. And special thanks to everybody in the U.S. around the world. We're in over 100 countries, and that's only because of our listeners. Whether you're a listener, whether you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, um, we really appreciate it. If you're listening on or watching on Facebook, you got any questions, put them in the comments section, uh, and then we'll get to your questions best way we can. All right, let's rock and roll. Let's not waste any time. Uh, man, this is going to be great. Special friend, great, great individual, great person, great coach, manager, um, runs a great program in Tenerife, Spain. Um, we are going to have Nestor Perez Jr. And Nestor currently is the manager of the Augusta Green Jackets, Braves low A farm system. Um, but he's been with the Braves for 10 years, a former Cuban player in the Liga Nacional, the pro league shortstop. Uh, he's been an assistant hitting coach. He's been he was signed by the Rays, played in Spain at their highest level. He coached in the World Baseball Classic, the Spain team. I mean, he runs a fantastic, fantastic program in Tenerife, Spain. Camps all year round from countries from all over the place. And I was honored to be part of the first year, the European Winter League, an incredible league run by Nestor um, and his staff. Just well run. Uh, it's just the machine was running full speed. And there were kids from all over Europe, the top 18U players from Europe. It was outstanding. So let's not waste any time. Welcome, my friend, Nestor Perez Jr. What's up, buddy? Thank you, Peter. What, what introduction there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could have kept going because you got, you got a great baseball background. And, man, you know, you and I have known each other a long time. But, you know, last year I got to work with you and saw you firsthand, man. One of the best instructors I've been around in a long, long time. And, uh it's a pleasure to be your friend also. I, I think I'm the best after you. You the you are the best. Uh, yeah. we <laughs> as here and I got the chance to, to, to work with you for the first time because we met each other like uh, two, three or four years ago, but this was our first chance that we were on the field together and really, I really enjoy it a lot. I learned from you a lot and uh, we had a great time uh, last year in, in November in Tenerife. Yeah, it was awesome. And likewise, man, I learned a lot also. And that's what's nice about doing this kind of stuff. We're going to talk about Tenerife. I want to get into that. Um, hey, let, let's do this for our audience. Let's uh, maybe about five to 10 quick questions. See, uh, and quick answers, you know, just kind of let them know about you. Um, I know now the biggest part, obviously, born in Cuba, right? Yes, I was born in Cuba in 1976. Uh, Matanza, brothers, sisters? Matanza, Cuba. Yeah, Matanza, that's one of the pro league teams there, right? Yes, Matanza, Cuba, two hours from Havana. Yeah, bro brothers and sisters? I got one sister. I got a sister. She's a, a, years uh, younger than me. 
Still have family. My age. I just said the year I was born, 76. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still, is, is, your, is a family still in Cuba? Some family? Uh, I got uh, my, my um, grandmother from the mother's side. She's still in Cuba. She's the only one person that's still in Cuba. Uh, the rest of the family is uh, either in, in Miami or, or in Tenerife, the Canary Islands. Great. And uh, you went to school. They went to high school there, right? Yes, uh, I went. I went. I went Cuba to school. I left Cuba when I was uh, twenty years old. So, so I, um, I, I, I went to school in Cuba that to uh, to the twelfth grade. They call right. it the 12th grade. Favorite favorite Cuban player. Favorite Cuban player. I would say. Uh, There's so I many good I'm, ones. No, they had too many. They had too many one, but I would go like a shortstop, Herman Mesa. I would go with Herman Mesa. Yeah, and you were a former shortstop. You played in the Liga Nacional. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, that's why I picked him, because there, there were too many good ones. Omar Linares, I like, I like Omar Linares a lot. I like uh, Lazaro Valle a lot. I enjoy uh, watching him pitching a lot in Cuba. But I would go with Herman Mesa. Um, something you learned in Cuba as a player, maybe from another coach, that you use a lot in the U.S., something, anything. The number one thing I learned in Cuba was discipline. Uh, that's, that's, that's why it got me where I am today. Uh, be disciplined with everything you do. Be disciplined, be respectful, respectful and disciplined. Those, those two, they're going to take you anywhere. You know what? And I, that's one thing I failed to mention in the, in, in the introduction, folks. Um, the thing I noticed about Nestor, and I'll say this, uh, one of the most organized, and attention to detail people that I've been around. Now, now I worked with LaRusso for about a week in the World Baseball Classic, and he's very attention to detail. Man, you're right there with him. You, you think of every little detail. Where did you get that from? I got that from uh, Dave Trembley. Dave Trembley, uh, he was a field coordinator here uh, for two, three, three years when I was uh, working uh, at, uh, in, uh, in, in, in Rome, when I was working in Danville, Virginia. Uh, he's the one that always talk to me about little details, little things. And he's the guy that he can see everything. And uh, anything that happens on the field, he can see it. He can see it. So I always want to be like him, see everything that happened in the, in the field, things that nobody can see. That's, 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 what, that's what you just call little detail, little things. And we always say little things are going to help you to, to get uh, to, to, big, to big, big things to happen, you know? So I learned that one from Dave Tremblay. Dave Tremblay was a... Uh, uh, he was a coach, and he, he, he managed in the big leagues uh, for one year for the Baltimore Orioles, and he mm -hmm. was a person that he helped me out a lot uh, during my first uh, uh, career on, on professional baseball. Uh, you know what? Let's do this, because I think this is very interesting. Uh, here you are. You're, you uh, come over to the U.S. You get over to the U.S. Uh, talk about that experience, what that was like. You had to make a decision to come to the U.S. Um, how did that occur, and how did it happen? Uh since, since I was a kid, my, my, my dad was a Cuban national baseball team coach, and he, he, he was the, the person that uh, always, he was my coach always uh, in my career in Cuba. He always wanted me to play in the big leagues. He always like, uh, even, even if we were in Cuba, he was like, I want you to play in the big leagues one day. I want you to play in the big leagues one day. So we always want to get out of the country uh, to see if we can have a chance for, 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 for me to make it to the big leagues. So uh, we... We moved in 1997. We we moved to the Canary Islands, uh, to Tenerife, uh, and uh, from there, the next year, 1998, uh, I found myself in the United States uh, playing my first uh, season with the Tampa Bay Racing rookie ball. 
it was a big change. Uh, you you know, you know, baseball in Cuba at that time, we use aluminum bat. Um, uh, professional baseball, organized professional baseball in the United States uh, is different than, 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 than baseball in Cuba. Uh, it, it, took me, it took me a couple of years to, to really, to really uh, understand the, the, philosophy, the philosophy of baseball professional. So it was a big change for me. Uh, probably that was one of the reasons that uh, uh, I, I never made it to the big leagues because it's, it was a big change for the Cuban, uh, young Cuban shortstop, uh, not, not having ever been in this country, uh, do not get to know the culture here, the, the language, uh, uh, a, lot of, a lot of things, uh, a lot of new things for me came so quick in my life. And uh, I think, uh, I don't want to say I waste because I never, I never, I, I think I, I never waste time in my life. But I, I would say I waste two years of my career uh, on my development, trying to figure it out and try to understand uh, baseball in the United States. Interesting. Nestor, you, you mentioned a bunch of things that were tough. You had to make adjustments. Were those the hardest things or were, was there other things that were just when you first came over, it was really hard to adjust to? When it, whether it be life or baseball, it was. It, those were the the most uh, the most uh, the most important things that that happened to me. The, the language, the language. I couldn't express myself uh, the the way I want to. I couldn't understand uh, what my coaches want me to understand. Uh, uh, and the other one, it was uh, in baseball. Baseball in Cuba, we play we play a little different. A little no, a lot different than than in professional baseball. It's a good baseball because you know Cuba we got good baseball we for that time in 1997 we used to win everything any any international tournament Cuba national team used to win the Olympics uh, World Cup uh, Pan American game Pan American games uh, we got good good baseball in Cuba but it was way different than professional baseball I'm going to give you an example uh, I got here my first year I got running at second base and uh, and my, my coach asked me to hey, you got to move the runner you got to move the runner you got to hit a ground ball to second base I say what Hit a ground ball to second base. I'm wasting. I'm wasting a bat. <laughs> no, so yeah. I, I hit a ground ball to second base. I'm gonna go off for one. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive this this run to the plate. So by that time, Cuba, nobody talked to me about moving the runner. You know, right. I was I was either asked by the manager to sack bond. You know, sack bond. Put a, put a sack bond and move the runner by with by sack bond. So that doesn't count on your on your hitting areas. You know. But I got this, this manager asking me to move the runner, hit a ground ball to second base, and he asked me to be an out. So I never understand that. So I was pulling the ball all the time, trying to get my, my single. So I got it. The people had a bad impression of myself, thinking I was a selfie player. I didn't want to play for the team. So that was one of the samples that, that, that I want to bring you to so you, you understand why it was difficult for me. Uh, it took me like two years to understand why why uh, I need to hit a ground ball to second base because the most important thing in professional baseball, you're playing for the team. You're playing for the team to help the team to win, not for your numbers, you know? And uh, in the minor leagues, uh, we develop, uh, we try to develop uh, winning type uh, players uh, that help the big league team to win a championship in the future. Yeah, you know, and Nestor, interesting. Um, let's stay, I'm going to stay in the Cuban baseball for a little bit because I think it's, a, it's an interesting topic. Um, you know, you, before we do that, I want to recognize Nestor Perez Sr., your dad, because he obviously has been in the game a long time, you know, with the Dodgers winning World Series, as you won World Series with Atlanta. You got a, you know, Atlanta Braves, unbelievable ring. 
Um, but your dad had to be, you know, like you said, he was your coach the whole, you know, your whole, since we were young. Um, talk about your dad because he, he's a special person. I really enjoyed being around him. The, the first thing I want to say, I'm here today. I am, I am who I am in baseball. I mean, I'm here today because my dad. Because he was the one when I was two years old, he put me the glove in the hand and he wanted me to play baseball. I didn't like baseball when I started when I started when I was two, three, or four, five years old, you know. But he was mm -hmm. the one he pushed me, pushed me, and and he was the one that tried, found a way to get me out of the out of Cuba and and get and get uh, give me a chance to be here uh, playing baseball and now today as a coach. Uh, my dad is uh, he worked for the Brave for nine years. Uh, he was a scout, international scout for for the Brave for nine years. Then he went to uh, to the Dodgers. Uh, he's been with the Dodgers last, last four. Um, uh, he, he's working on the international department. He covers uh, Europe. He's uh, he's a scout for Europe for the Dodgers, and uh, he's a guy you know you know him. Uh, he he got a lot of energy. Uh, Amazing. He knows the game. He's an old old school baseball man. You know something that I like. I I I, I think I'm a person I'm in the middle. I like old school and new school. I like all the schools. Yes, <laughs> uh, I, I, I love old school. And my dad is completely old school. We can sit down talking about baseball for hours and hours, and he won't understand base, baseball today. He won't understand how it's baseball today. I tried to explain him how it is, but uh, like I said, he he's on the baseball field whole day. He, he get up in the morning. He he walks to the baseball field. He still take ground balls. He hit bat in practice. He's seventy years old, and he still he still feel like a kid. He he think, he think he's a kid. But uh, his, 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 his life is baseball, and he's going to be in the baseball field till his last day in this, uh, in this life. Absolutely. Matter of fact, and he's also in great shape, too. He keeps himself in super shape. Um, you know, what about the, you still lean on him? You guys talk, like, when you're managing games, you know, after a game or after maybe a week later? Do you talk about some of the things? you ask him questions or something you did with, the, you know, with uh, your team? Most of the time, uh, we got uh, – our conversations are, are in the off season, you know. I trying to to help him out to 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 get to know how how is baseball now today, so he's updated, you know. So he he knows uh, how it is over here now, uh, because the time different time different. We cannot talk too much, you know. It's five hours ahead now in the Canary Islands, and when mm -hmm. we put uh, here at seven in at, at nine, it's uh, me and I over there. But uh, when I when I need when I need an advice from from him, I, I call him and. I asked him, what do you think, uh, what you should do here? And uh, uh, he gave me uh, the best uh, help that he can give me, you know? Yeah, what a great person to lean on for, for, you know, advice. You know, we go back to Cuban baseball, you know, you know it. In your days growing up in Cuba, why, why so many good Cuban players? I mean, and, and, not, and when they come to the U.S., Nestor, they're pretty much ready to play. You know, it's not like a, some Latin countries, you know, they're still young, they're still swinging at everything. But the, the Cuban players are a little bit more organized, a little bit more disciplined. Why is so many Cuban players coming over that, that this good? Uh, because in Cuba, we play organized baseball. We play organized baseball. It's different. Like in, in the Dominican, the kids that they grow up uh, wanted to play baseball, but they go to academies. They, they always, uh, they're only looking for signing professional, and they don't play too many organized baseball. Mm. In Cuba, uh, uh, we play a lot of a lot of organized baseball games. So that's why probably is the reason uh, we are prepared. Uh, we are ready to play uh, um, real baseball. We are ready to play under the lights with fans. And, and uh, that's why 
uh, you see a big difference between Cuban players and, and, the, and the rest of the Latin American players. Because uh, in Cuba, you, you know, uh, we got uh, baseball schools and every town got a baseball school. Then you have the, the, the structure the structure of baseball in Cuba, it, it was it was by that time. I don't know today for, because uh, I, I know it, everything changed now. But uh, mm -hmm. at that time, the structure of baseball in Cuba, uh, not only baseball, in sports, it was uh, it was very, very organized. Everything starts from, from your town. Then you go to a play in the, uh, for the big city uh, team. Then then if you are good, then you play for the, for the national team. So uh, our dream... Uh, Every 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 Cuban player uh, dream it was uh, to play for the national baseball team to represent Cuba. So that was our main goal when when we uh, start playing baseball. Nobody nobody was talking about playing the United States, uh, play uh, win the World Series, or, or be uh, or being in Cooperstown. Oh, everything was about uh, make it to the national team and represent Cuba and win uh, the Olympic game for the World Cup. So. Uh, I would say we were different because we were more organized. The, the structure makes sense. better organized. Yeah, it makes sense. And you know, here's what's interesting. Explain this. All right, here we go. Liga Nacional, you know, their 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 top league there. I know you played, you know, in the past. It's been a while since you, you you've been there. But it what's interesting, only national team players were traveling around the world to compete, right? And they were doing winning everything. Then players started to come over to the U.S. You know, they're going to, I think they could have a very good world baseball classic team if they're able to get everybody together. But what's interesting is a lot of Cuban players have played in the Liga Nacional and then they come to the U.S. and they can compete, but, to, but they haven't competed at that level. Talk to our audience. What's the league like that when you played in it? I know it could have changed. You know, a lot of players have left. But what's the league right, you know, when you played in it, what kind of level was it? How good was it? I would say, I would say it was like triple A level. I would mm. say that you were nationally for at that time. I say, yes. I don't know. Right. And uh, it was like a triple A. It was a triple A league uh, level. Uh, that's why all these players that came, uh, I will give you names, uh, Ray Ordonez, uh Rolando Arrojo, El Duque Hernandez, Livan Hernandez. Those players, they were they were top, 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 top in the in the league. So if you are top in the Triple A league, you are ready to play in the big leagues. So, mm -hmm. but if I if I had to say which level it was, I would say it was Triple A. It was Triple A guys that if you were in Cuba and you were uh, you played for the national league for the national team, that means that you were the best of the best. And if you are in, in the United States and you are the best of the best in Triple A. That means that you're ready to play in the big leagues. So that's why all these players, when they came here, they were successful and they were ready to play in the big leagues. Nestor, what, what, what about the coaches you had? I know your dad coached, but I'm sure you had other coaches. What's a typical uh, Cuban coach like, you know, as far as coaching style, um, you know, with kids or even with older players? Explain the coaching, the coaches there. Uh, the first, it was discipline. Discipline. It was discipline. You got to be on time every day. Uh, you gotta respect your teammates. You gotta respect your coaches, and uh, that that was the first one. We were we were teach uh, to play discipline baseball. That was that was the, the main one. And Cuban coaches they 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 are uh, they are very smart because in Cuba to coach baseball you need to have a degree, you know. 
uh, you gotta go to uh, you have to you have to go uh, to be like a sports uh, okay like sports um, uh, sports teacher yeah. a sport teacher for sport degree yeah and and uh, all these coaches they were prepared they were smart uh, most of the players most most of the coaches they played baseball in the top league and they, they the other thing that you can see uh, uh, Cuban coaches they have a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. oh, a lot of energy. They bring a lot of energy, a lot of good energy to the field. And uh, and uh, when you have a coach that uh, is smart and um, brings you good energy, energy, play the game, and I think that's it. that's 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 the guy that that person got a chance to be a good coach. So what were they like? What were they like when you failed? How did they deal with that situation? You know, when a player uh, fails, they were tough too. They yeah. were tough. Now 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 here in the United States, you got you got to meet more 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 like a. You know, like you, you but in Cuba, it was like, straight, we're straight to you. Hey, you did this wrong, blah, 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 blah. Don't do it again, you know? So, yeah. uh, they, they were, they, when you fail, you, you better do not fail because, uh, they were, they were strong. They were, they were strong coaches, very strong coaches, strong boys. And, uh, in those days, emphasize weightlifting, training, athletic work. Yes, there was a lot of, a lot, a lot of, uh, weightlifting. Uh, a lot of running, a lot of sprints. It was uh, it was very physical. It was more difficult, more, more physical uh, by that time than now. Now 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 it's lighter. By what 1997, in the 90s, it was very 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 physical, very physical. A lot of a lot of workout in the training room, a lot of sprints, a lot of a lot of abs. Uh, you got to be strong. And even the pitchers, the pitchers, the Cuban pitchers, though, those were the, the one that were the physical part the most hmm. ever. When you see a when you when you see a Cuban pitcher on the nineties and the eighties, and uh, they are very very strong pitchers. They, they 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 practice hard the physical part. You know, I seen Linares play um, in the in the World Championships and a lot of events. Uh, Fair to say, probably the best Cuban player ever. No doubt, the best. No doubt. What was this? Why? Why? Because 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 he, he can do everything. Linares Linares he 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 can hit for average. He can hit for power. He he catch everything at third base. He he got a strong arm. He got the five tools, but he got five tools plus. You know, so he was smart. Uh, he he can Imagine do everything. Imagine what he would have made in the U.S. No, he, he would be, have... he 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 would be uh, a top 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 player in the, in the United States for sure, because yeah. he, he was was Cuba. Cuba is a big country in baseball, and he was a number one. You know, he was a number one by far. He was a number one. I mean, I love him in the, in, in Cuba. When you when you ask when you go to Cuba and you ask people what's the best player in Cuba, everybody I would say ninety. Of the people they would say Linares for sure. That's the first name they come to your to your mind. Sure. So he would be a here for sure. no, no doubt. Yep. And uh, you know, Nestor, okay, here you are now. You come to the US, you're you're playing. Um, then I you get released, I believe. No, uh I finished I finished in 2005 with Tampa Bay. Uh that was my, my last year. I play I played with Tampa Bay whole my whole career. And uh, they they just told me it was it was it was it was enough. It was, that said, it was uh, it was time for me to 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 say to you know to not play anymore with Tampa. Uh, like I said, I always play with Tampa Bay. They gave me a chance. I played to Double A, but uh, in 2005, 
they just told me like like we are going we are going to renew your contract you know sure sure and so, that's and that, that happens you know now what what how did you get into coaching all of a sudden why why coaching that that's that's a good story because in two, in 2005 when i when when they told me uh okay we are not going to renew your contract the first thing i did i sat down with a minor league director and i told him i want to be a coach one day i want to be a coach one day for tampa bay i want to, i'm going to coach him for tampa bay i would like to coach an infield because i was a good infielder and uh, uh he just told me okay uh, we're going to have you we're going to have you in mind uh, we, uh, if, if we got the chance opportunity, we're going to call you. We're going to let you know. We're going to find, if we, if we have a chance, we're going to give you the job, but they never, they never gave me the chance, you know? So my, my first chance came, uh, with, with the brace in 2013 and, and two years, two years ago, uh, Tampa Bay asked me to, to go, um, um, coach for them and be managing in high A. So oh. I, I, did, I didn't, I didn't took the job because, uh, I was, I was I was good here. I was I was treating well here in at the break, but we're talking about 2005. You didn't get a coaching job till 2013, 2013. What did you do in between? Okay, 2005. Then I went back home. I I I I keep playing baseball in, in Spain. I play uh, in Spanish baseball league in Spain. At the same time, I start helping my my dad and uh, coaching the Tenerife Marlins. Uh, that that you know is our club there in Tenerife. That is a champion. In Spain, and and we we have a good program in in Tenerife uh, with our club. My, my, uh, so I start helping my dad with teaching the the, the young the young players, uh, and that's why I did. I started coaching in 2005 for our local local club in Tenerife. Uh, I used to go with my dad to to teach uh, baseball in schools with kids that they don't even know how to use it, how to how to put the glove. They don't they have no idea how to play baseball. You know, you you being in Europe, you know how it is. So that's that's how I started my my coaching career in Tenerife, you know. And what's interesting about that, um, you know, when you're co here, this is my opinion. Want to get your side of it? When you're coaching kids that maybe have not played the game or are not that good, but that makes you a better instructor. It made me a good teacher. No doubt. I had that conversation the other day with one of my coaches, and uh, I told them that I told him that well the reason that I, I, uh, me as a coach, I got a good foundation is because it's difficult to coach in a country like Spain or Europe where kids, they don't watch baseball on TV. So when they come play baseball, they have no idea what kind of sport they're going to play. So you guys, you need to start from, from, from nothing. Hey, this is how you use the glove. This is how you hold the, the ball. This is, how, this, is how, this is how you get ready to hit. Hey, sometimes they run to third base. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't <laughs> hey. So you have to be a really good coach, and you need, and you have and you and you have to love the game, to to be a good coach in in, in Europe, you know. And that's yeah. that's that's what helped me helped me out a lot, a lot to be today where I am, a lot. Yeah, and the other thing about it is, these kids, you know, you teach them all this, and then they fail, and that's hard too, right? Because now you got to keep them motivated, because you know they're going to fail a lot. Yes. They, they're gonna fail up because they, they don't they, they don't see baseball. They they have no idea of, of the game, so they they, they don't have uh, a chance to go home and watch a baseball game and, and understand how it's the game. So you have to you have to repeat, repeat, and repeat and repeat every day to see if you can get a good baseball player in, in in Spain or in Europe. You know, it's difficult to teach baseball where soccer or basketball 
uh, all the main sports and anything you, the only one thing you see on TV is soccer, soccer, soccer every day. You go to a store in Spain, you go you a store to, to get, to try to get a baseball glove, you don't find it. You only, mm. you only, the only one thing you see is soccer or basketball. You do see some uh, good athletes in Spain, no? Young yes. kids? Yes, yes. They are, they, are, they are good young athletes in Spain. Uh, the, the other reason why you don't get too many Spanish uh, ball players uh, here in the minor leagues on the big leagues is because they don't play, uh, they don't play too many games. That's yeah. the problem that happens all over Europe. They probably, they probably play a kid that is uh, 17 or 16 years old. He probably will play in a year. He will play around 15 to 20 games in the whole, in the whole year. So, you know, the only one way you want to get better playing this game, the only one way you're going to get better in this game is playing games more than practice. You know, speaking about that, Nestor, um, it's interesting because uh, I know in Cuba, I want to jump for just for a second there. You know, they, they play a lot of games, you know, the weather's good. They can play a lot of games, but, but they also practice a lot, don't they? In Cuba, we play a lot of games and we practice a lot. Normally we practice in the morning and play, and play in the afternoon. Yeah. You see, know? because, because a lot of places they, they want to play more games and then they forget to practice and that hurts. Yes. yes. It got, it got to be a combination practice and game, but I would say you can practice the whole year you can practice the whole year but you don't play the game you will never be a better ball player because you you one of the reasons to be a better ball player is to learn learn how to play the game learn how to play the game and the only one way you're going to learn how to play the game is playing playing baseball games yeah and something we're missing i think i, I tell coaches this a lot and i know in cuba and other in latin america in general um kids are still playing on their own and i notice you know the cuban players that Latin players, they have pretty good instincts and they get those instincts from playing, not just with their league, but they play on their own, right? They, they get the instincts playing, playing on the street, uh, just watching all the players. Uh, because in, in Cuba, we, we got something that we, we, we want to play. Like, who's the, the best choice of Herman Mesa? Everybody wants to catch the ball like Herman Mesa. So you see too many Herman Mesas in Cuba with the same, same move, same kind of uh, uh, throw to first... Uh, the, the throw to first base, the arm action, the same arm action. So we try to repeat what the what the good ones do, and 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 we play a lot of baseball on the street, a lot of baseball on the street. We play organized and unorganized ball, or not non organized baseball. And yeah. like I said, we play every day. We play every day, one way or the other, but we play every day. Hey, speaking about those skills that the best ones do, what are they? What when it comes to an infielder, what's the skills that you emphasize because the great ones do these? I would say for infielder, I always teach uh, consistency. You gotta, you gotta be consistent to be a good infielder. Do you remember uh, a good, a good feeding average? You gotta be nine, nine seventy something or nine eighty. Nine eighty, yeah. That, that's that's what. That's one error, one error every every what every one hundred, one thousand uh, 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 opportunities. You know what I mean? So. To be a good shortstop, to be a good third baseman, to go, be a good second baseman, you gotta be consistent. You can you can make mistakes. You can make mistakes. You wanna be a good infielder. You gotta catch everything. You gotta throw in the chest, and that's that's the first thing I teach to my infielders is to be consistent. You gotta be consistent to be a good infielder. That's the number one. And the other one, you gotta, you gotta stay concentrate for nine innings every pitch. 
because you don't know when the ball is coming to you. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I remember playing games at short stop that I didn't get a ground ball. I didn't get a ground ball for eight innings. Then I got that ground ball in the ninth inning. So you got to be waiting nine innings to, to catch a ground ball. You got to stay concentrated the, the whole game, pitch by pitch, pitch by pitch. And for me, it's being concentrated and be consistent. Those two got to be together. And when you played, um, it, this is interesting. We're, when it comes to concentration, uh, there's also vision. Where did you look when you were at shortstop? Were you looking at the overall picture? Did you track the ball from the pitcher to the home plate? What do you teach? What did you do? You, you track you track the ball from the pitcher to home plate. And then the bat, the bat is going to tell you a lot. The, the bat is going to tell you a lot. Okay, for example... The first thing you need to look is uh, if, what, what is coming, what, 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 what my pitch is going to throw. Is going to throw fastball or going to throw a breaking ball? You see, you see he's going to throw a breaking ball. You got to be ready to move to the right if it's a right-handed hitter. Mm -hmm. What we normally do with breaking ball, we pull, we, we pull the ball. That's what I would say like 80% of the hitters on breaking ball, they pull. They pull the breaking, the hanging breaking ball. So when you see your pitches that are going to throw a breaking ball, you got to be ready to move to the right, to the hole. So you anticipate the hole. The other thing you do when you see that breaking ball is to see where, where, where's that breaking ball is going to land. It's going to land inside, middle of the way. So you got, you, got, you got to read the trajectory of the pitch too if it's a breaking ball. If, if you throw a right-handed right hitter, you throw a breaking ball inside, you got a big, big chance that that ball is going to be hitting the hole. Now, you throw that breaking ball low and away, that probably he's going to uh, swing and a miss, and if you're going to put in play, going to be put in play uh, up the middle or to second base side. So that, that's the kind of things that I, I'm telling you that you have to be stay with the, with the, in the game for, for nine innings, watching every pitch. Now, you got, you got in the, on the mound a guy that throws 98, 97. He throws a fastball inside. Where do you think that ball's going to go? It's going to go the other way. Yeah. Not, not too many people can pull a 90, 98, 97 fastball. You know? So, yeah. so you, got to, you, got, you need to know your pitcher. You need to know what he's going to throw. Because you can see a sign from shortstop, from catcher. What is he gonna throw? And the hitter's hands. What is he doing? With, what, is, what is he doing today? This guy, this guy, uh, he he pulls. Uh, he's, he's a good uh, pull hitter. He, he likes to hit the other way. Then you see the bat. The bat is gonna tell you what, what the boy is going to. If he's on time, it's on time. If, if the bat is on time, the boy is gonna go to the pull side. If you right-handed hitter, the the bat of the hitter is, is on time. Okay, that ball is gonna go to to the to his uh to his pool side. If the bat is not on time, it's gonna go the other way. So as a choice you gotta be able to read uh, the bat of the of the hitter, no doubt. How do you train yourself to do that? Okay, the best drill, the best drill for this is during batting practice. During batting practice, you gotta go there. Uh, for example, you hit in group two. You 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 hit do today. You okay? Uh, you're gonna hit today in group two batting practice. Group one, you go out there, you go shortstop, and every pitch during batting practice, you move. You read the bat of the hitter during, during batting practice. So it's, it's the best exercise for reading the bat for, for an infielder, you're reading, you're reading the bat during batting practice. Play, play live uh, during batting practice, more than taking round balls. The same for the outfielders. The best deal for outfielders is play live during batting practice because you can get a, you can grab a phone go. You can bring a machine. Never is gonna be the same. Never is gonna be the same that the, that the that the connection from the home play from home play with uh with the, with the hitter. 
you know, Nestor, what you're saying is in a real game, you should be seen on every pitch, every player on the field, except the catcher and a pitcher. There should be some kind of movement of anticipation. You it yes. shouldn't react. You have you you react every pitch. If it's if it's a foul ball, if it's a swing and a miss, even if the guy is taking a pitch, you should be moving. You should be moving, okay, anticipating to one side or the other. All right, another part of the game that is uh, not controversial, but maybe trained differently in different places. Um, talk about a little bit about the hands. You know, a lot of times you say, come in, feel the ball, you know, by bringing your hands in. Some people go out. Uh, explain a little bit of that. Okay, this is another one I learned from somebody. Omar Biskel. okay. I, I, ne I never had the chance to get to know Omar Biskel, but I know people that know him, okay. He always said, and, and, and it's, for me, it's completely right. You, you are going to be a good first stop or good infielder if you catch the good hop. Okay? If you always catch the good hop, you try to catch the good hop. Uh, it's difficult to miss the good hop. Okay? The good hop. That hop that comes to you like easy hop, it's difficult to miss. So that's why we say that good infielders, they catch the ball with their feet. Mm. Okay. You have to be, you have to get to the ball in a proper uh, fielding position. And then you have to be able to read the bounce of the ball to get you to the ball uh, in, a, in a position where you can catch the good hop. Okay. If you are going to be always uh, catching in between hops, you're going to be in trouble. So you, you always want to look for the good hop. You got to go and get it. You go and get it. You got to drop step, drop step back, and you got to catch that hop. Okay. So in order for me to say good hands, I, I never talk to my infidels about good hands. I talk about good feet. You got a good feet, you're going you're gonna to have a good hands. Hmm, because if you get the ball in a proper fitting position, then, 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 then your hands. Because, because for you to catch the ball first, you need to get to the ball. You need to get to the ball first to catch the ball. So how you get to the ball, that's the most important part. Reading the ball and how you get to the ball. You get to the ball in a proper fitting position, you have uh, uh, chances to be successful. So uh, everybody always talk about good hands, good hands, good hands. If you if you play in the infield, if you play infield, you have to have you need to have uh, some good some kind of good hands, you know, because if not you if not you wouldn't be playing there. You wouldn't be playing first stop or second base. You don't got that those good hands that everybody talks about. Mm -hmm. Now you got that those hands. How are you gonna get better? Okay, you get better now working on your footwork, footwork, reading the ball off the bat, uh, being being uh, be moving when the ball gets to the play. Okay, and read the bounce of the ball. Read the bounce of the ball. Try to get that good hop. That's the one of the toughest ones. Um, and I know we're on video on YouTube and social media, but we're on audio on uh, on the baseball outside the box and ESPN Honolulu. Um, the backhand's always a difficult one, for you, especially for young kids. I know you can't show it, but talk a little bit about the backhand, what, how, the position of it a little bit. What's important? The, the, uh, definitely the backhand is the more difficult one. Yeah, For me, there are three, three different uh, backhand plays. Okay? The backhand plays are on the hard hit ground ball to your right. The one that you got to go back. You got to go back because... If you don't go back, uh, the ball is going to be in left field. 
I'm talking about, I always see myself playing shortstop, okay? So I see myself playing shortstop. I, I hard, hard hit ground ball to the hole, hard hit ground ball to the hole. That, that ground ball, you got to go, uh, uh, like you create an, an angle uh, to go back to, so you can get to the ball. The other, the other one is the medium, I would call a medium speed ground ball. Okay, it's not hard, it's medium. The one that then you go to the side. Okay, and the other one is slow ground ball to the hole. That one that you gotta go and get. Okay, on the first one, on the first one, normally you catch the ball deep because you're moving back. You're moving back, so you mm-hmm. gotta go, you gotta catch the ball deep, deep up behind behind your body. Okay, you're going back. You gotta catch. You got for me. You gotta catch the ball behind. The 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 one to the side. You catch the ball in the middle. Hmm. You catch go. You catch the ball in the middle. And the other one because you're going forward. You gotta catch the ball a little bit at the front, right, right next to the front foot. So people talk about okay, uh, catch the ball, moving your hand back, catch the ball going forward. The ground ball is going to dictate how you catch the ball. If it's a hard hit ground ball, you gotta go back. If, if you're going and get the ball, okay, you gotta go forward. So depends of the speed of the ground ball. That's how you're gonna move your glove, either back or forward, you know. But always, always, always keep the ball uh, inside your legs, okay? Never outside, never outside your body. If you're going back, keep it, keep it inside your right foot, your right leg. If you're going forward, keep it inside your front leg. Great it's stuff. Difficult to explain because I think no. if you you can show it's better. Yeah. No, but I understand. I understand it without watching. I think that's great stuff. You know, the, the other part of all this, you see shortstops, middle infielders, um, or even third basemen. you know, they throw from different angles depending on, you know, where they get the ball. What's your opinion? How early should you start teaching that to kids? I, I love it because to be a good infielder, you got to be able to throw from different angles. You got to be able to throw from different angles. If it's a deep ground ball in the six hole or down the line at third base, you got to go over. You got to go over because that's the strongest, strongest throw that you can you can get, you know. But what about when you're going forward now and the ball is, is rolling and no bouncing? So you catch the ball down there. Now, now you're going to come up. You got to throw the ball from down there. You know, what about a second baseman uh, turning double plays? Mm-hmm. You're gonna catch the catch the ball here. Now you're gonna go up. Now you gotta throw the ball three quarters or from the side. Depends where, where depends where, where you got the feet from second from choice top to third baseman. So I would always love my infielders to throw from deep, deep, be able to throw from different angles. Okay, minimum you gotta be over the top and three quarters. With those two, you 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 good. You know, over the top and three quarters. Now you can throw from the side or from down be, below. It would be even better. Normally, all normally. Normally all the Cuban shortstop they throw from everywhere. Yes. And normally the good Latin shortstop they are they are able to throw from everywhere, you know? Because because uh that's what we see on TV from all the all the good shortstops, and the, we, we want to do the same. Just just like I told you before, we want to repeat what we see on TV from the good uh good shortstops in, in Latin America. So safe to say you start with young kids, make sure they throw properly first a little bit, right? Make sure they know how to throw correct. And then once they've got that, start throwing from different angles. Can you do that in warm-ups also? 
the, the uh, I had this conversation uh, two days ago with my with my second baseman, and I had this conversation two days ago with uh, one of our catchers. Okay, the best drill for throwing and uh, and and learn how to throw accurate is throwing program, and it's something that we normally in baseball do every day. But sometimes we don't we don't just give the throwing program the importance of the throwing program. You have to go and, and have your throwing program with a purpose. Okay, today I'm going to throw to 120 feet. I'm going to try to throw hit the chest of the guy uh, the most I can. Okay, so now at the end I'm gonna start throwing from the side, like like maybe I'm turning a double play from uh, from second base or, mm -hmm. or from. You know? So the throwing program is the best drill. Okay, to 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 learn how to throw and 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 to to throw properly. And to throw from different angles. Now, some I heard I heard some people say that uh, throwing from the side might hurt your your elbow, and and, and you know because throwing from different angles that they, you might get hurt. I understand that, okay. But I, but I never heard good shortstop, a Latin American shortstop, they got hurt because they throw from here, from there, from there, from there. You know. Yep. Now, now if you are twenty years old. 22 and you all your life been throwing over the top forget it you had a chance don't try it. you're gonna get hurt mm, you know interesting. Uh, if you are younger you, you, you can start throwing from different angles you're gonna be fine now i would never ask uh one my if it is here they're 20 21 22 hey let's start throwing from the side mm, he might get hurt he might get hurt because he i don't know how many how many how many number of throws he's he been made his whole life now i'm going to change uh the physical part of his arm, he might get hurt. I'm not a doctor, but that's something I I, I see can happen easy. Changing the, the angle of, of, a, of a, an infeeder at that age, 20, 21, 22, I think it's a little bit later. A little bit late. Interesting. I love it. Um, How about now? You, you, you become a coach in the minor league system, a hitting coach also you were, um, and then you get to be manager. Uh, talk about that adjustment going from a Coach to now manager. That's a big, big responsibility. 2000, 2016, uh, my, my, my boss here, my, my lead director came to me and asked me if I want to be a manager. The first thing that came to my mind was like, not the first thing. The first thing happened to me, I got nervous. I got afraid. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, being a manager anywhere, but being a manager in minor leagues is a lot of responsibility. A lot of responsibility. Remember, uh, the Braves, for example, okay? They are going to sign now in July. They're going to sign July 20 players. We are going to invest our money in a lot of, a lot of, a lot in, in 20 players, millions. Where are they going to? They're coming, coming here. They're coming low eight. So they, they, they're going to start in low eight. So having in your hands, the responsibility of the future of the organization is, is it scares me a, li a little bit, you know. But at the same time, I always wanted to be a manager. So I took the job, and they told me the reason, the main reason they were giving me the, the job is because I was very organized. And there's no doubt you got to be very, very organized to be a manager. Okay, maybe now when I'm 65 years old, 70 or whatever, I still managing will be easier that will like everything will happen like you know like normal because we, we've been i've been doing this for years and years but as, as right now 
in my early career as a manager, I have to be very organized to be managing in the, in the minor leagues. Uh, I started in 2016. I started managing in rookie ball. 16, 17, I managed in rookie ball again. Uh, uh, 19, 19, I was in rookie ball again. So my first three years, I was in rookie ball. 2020, there was no uh, baseball season. Right. 2021, I started managing in, in rookie ball, but in June, uh, we, we fired, the organization fired our manager in double A. So uh, they asked me if, if I wanted to go to, uh, to be like a bench coach manager in double A. So last year I was in double A, uh, the pitching coach, he was running the pitching part and I was running the, 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 the position players part. And we did a great job because we won the championship last year in double A uh, with the best record in history of the franchise uh, for the Mississippi. Oh, wow. And this year, uh, I'm down here in low A. That is something that I like better. I like better low A than double A because what I just told you before, this is the this is the foundation. This is the basement of the organization. Uh, when the players get here, probably it's, probably it's the first year in professional baseball or second year in professional baseball. Uh, we are the first impression of professional baseball for all these young players signing off a high school or college. So that's what I like. I like teaching and I, li I like, I like to, have, to be the first impression of a professional ball player. So I love when I'm... Explain what you, when it comes to that level, um, it's about development, not as much winning, but you want to be competitive, but yet the players, you can only play so much how does all that work how do you calculate all that okay in the minor leagues in the minor leagues i would say from high a high a low a and rookie winning is not important but don't get confused winning is not important but development is the most important part but okay you will never be doing a good job development if you don't win a game so that 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 means you're not developing nobody you're not developing if you're not winning right so i would never be asked to win the championship in this level nobody's going to ask me hey, you got to be champion we want you to win this year 100 games no no i'm going to be asked to the group of players that i get here make them better make sure they got better make sure when they are going to be ready next year to get to the next step make sure they next year they're going to be able to play in high A. So that's our job as, as coaches, as a hitting coach, pitching coach, manager, teach the player, okay, make them better to get to the next level. That's our main job. Now, if you do your job right and you guys are getting better and they are getting better every day and you work hard every day, you're going to win games. So normally that comes together. If, you, if, you, if you're not doing a good job developing players, they're not going to win games. So if you're not winning games, okay, that's not your job, but what you know, you're not doing a good job. Or the other thing can happen is you just don't have a good group of talents. That, that's another thing can happen to When you don't have a good group of talent, it's difficult because even if you work every day, make them better, they, they, don't, have, they don't have just much talent as the other, uh, other things or other organizations, then now it would, it, would, it would be difficult to win games, you know? But the first thing my... my my minor league director tell me every year is, I don't care. Just talk to me like that. I don't care if you don't win a game. I don't care. Just make sure, okay, that get 
better. So that's how it is in the minor leagues. Now, double A, triple A, this is changing a little bit now because now it's time to play, play, the, ball, play the game. These guys are pretty much ready to play in the big leagues. So now there's not much teaching. It's more like, it's more like than re, trying to repeat and repeat and repeat and to be consistent to be in the big leagues. So now in AAA, I would say they, 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 they have to win games. And in AA, they have to win games because uh, there's, there's not much teaching on those levels. It's more like play every day, uh, repeat, repeat, and repeat, and be consistent. Show you you can be consistent on hitting or pitching or fitting to play in the big leagues. So that's, that's, that's the difference between, I would say, AAA, AA, then high A, low A, and rookie ball. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, development is so important, but winning is part of development because it's a mental part too, right? You can't, you know, all of a sudden, if you lose 30 games in a row, you're going to still feel bad as a team. Um, and you still have to kind of manage that because you can't just say, well, we lost 30 games. Don't worry about it. We don't have to win um, because instinctively players still want to win. There's no doubt. And it hurts. It hurts a lot when you lose a game. In, in anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. Yep. Here, it hurts me and it hurts the players and it hurts the coaches when you lose a game. There are different ways to lose a game, you know. Maybe you play you play well and just couldn't win that night, you know. But losing losing hurts a lot. Losing and and you, you just said and I agree with you hundred percent. Winning winning is part of the development because because you need to we want to develop winning type players, you know. And we need to we need to learn, we need to teach them how to how they need to do to win games. Because when you get to the big leagues, it's not about how many homers you hit or how, how good you do on, on pitching, you know, it's about winning the World Series ring. That's why it is. It's about winning the World Series, no matter. So when it gets to the big leagues, the big league, the big league team only worry about winning. So we need to learn how to, we need to we need to teach uh, how to win games too. But like I said, it's not that much important at this level. Nestor, what's it look like in your spring training? Because on the same issue that we're talking about, in practice, things you would think have to be done as real as possible eventually, right? To try to emulate the game. It's not easy, but you, like you said, you can't just practice, you, but you also have to practice real speed real game situations is that how important is that in order to continue to be better player a spring training okay it's been training normally you know it starts in, in march okay and it starts about mid-february for the for the pitchers and catches in the big leagues those those players in, in, in spring training you normally in spring training you, know, you normally play no more than no more than 12 12 games that's mm -hmm. that's what in spring training in the minor leagues you play 12 games before the season starts. Those players, uh, the season finishes in September, normally finishes in September, and you have October, November, December, January. They have, they have to come ready to spring training. They cannot come to spring training and, and start to get ready in spring training. It's too late. It's too late. So these players uh, in, in the off-season, they have to do their workouts. If you are a... a, a, a a position player, you need to hit live BP and playing some playing some games in your in your town. Mm -hmm. Guys around you. If you yeah. got a pitch, you gotta throw side, you gotta throw live BP. Because when it comes to spring training, you only have a month to be ready. 
but you only play 12 to 14 games in spring training. Wow. So everybody always talk about, oh, no, spring training is when they get ready. No, they don't get ready in spring training. No, no, no. They get together in spring training. They get together in spring training as a team, as a, as a, as a group. And spring training is the moment for some players to show if they are going to be able to make a team. In the big leagues, if they're going to be able to make a team, triple A, double A, high A, you know, they come into spring training to compete for a job. Yeah. They come into spring training to compete for a job. So they have to come ready. And that's what we always tell, tell our players. Make sure next year when you come to spring training, you come ready to play since day one. That's why you see a lot of young players looking at winter leagues, right? Trying to play in winter leagues, sharpen their skills, be more competitive, get more games in. The best, the best can happen to a young player if he's got a chance to play winter ball. It's the best that can happen to a young player. If they, it, because if you are in the big leagues, okay, you are you are every day playing the big leagues. You know, you know you're gonna have your job next year. You know, you are every day catching the big leagues. And you did well the year before. Next year, you, you're going to have your job. To start the season, you're going to be a starting catcher. Okay? But the young players are fighting for a job to make the big league club. Or the, or the young players try to find for a job to make uh, the double-A team or the high-A team. Okay? They have to stay, they have to stay in shape and, and getting the more at-bats possible in the offseason. And learning, and learn also learning from the big league players that are playing winter ball. So the best can happen to a young player is to play baseball in the winter because they, 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 when they come spring training, they're going to be ready and they're going to be able to, to, to play well since day one. Because if you are not ready in spring training, it's too late. Makes sense, Nestor. Great stuff, man. Hey, listen, I want to finish it off with the Tenerife programs that you run. Um, but before I finish it, Toughest thing as a manager that you have to deal with? What's the hardest thing about managing? The worst, the, let me tell you the worst thing as a manager for me in the minor leagues is when you get that message from your boss and you got to tell a kid that he's going to be released. Oh, man. Why? It's simple. All these players that I got here, I got here, we got here 30 players. They all think that they're going to play in the big leagues. They all think that they're going to play in the big leagues, you know, and they all are not going to play in the big leagues, you know. So, I'm going to give you a sample now. I, I say in July now, we're going to draft 20 players. So, 20, 20 new ball players are going to come to the Brace organization in July. So, we need to open 20, 20 spots for those players, you know, because we're playing the season right now. And the worst part is when I got that message from my boss telling me, hey, uh, we, we made a decision to release this guy. Let wow. him know that. And you got to sit down in front of you, a 19 years old kid, 20 years old kid, and tell him he's, uh, he's done. He's done. And normally, this is what happened in the minor leagues. Because I'm telling you for what I know, when you get released in the minor leagues, you got few, few percentage to sign with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Few normally, most of the time, when you when you get released, your career is done. It's hard to say, it's hard to say, but it's what it is. And you see that these kids sometimes they cry, sometimes they just don't believe it, what they heard, what they heard from you. Because sometimes uh, it's like like 
wow, I'm good. Why, why, how comes I'm going to get released? I'm, I'm going to be a big leader, you know? And, what, what, and the next question is, what am I going to do right now? What am I going to do now? So me as a manager, uh, because, okay, I'm the guy that is going to sit down this kid in front of me. I'm going to tell him he's going to get released. Probably this is this change time in the life for this person. Mm-hmm. Change now. Now they might have to uh, play independent ball. They just might have to go and get a, a different job other than baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to go back home in the Dominican, in Cuba. I know in Cuba, no, in Dominica, in Puerto Rico, in Venezuela. In right. They don't have nothing to do. So this message is going to change their life forever. And that's the worst part. Because you know what? I will never forget when Tampa Bay told me that they are not going to renew my contract. Mm-hmm. I forget. I will never forget that person that gave me that message, you know? Right. For me, telling a person that, hey, your career is almost done is the worst moment as a manager, no doubt. How does Nestor Perez give that message? I was teach, uh, I was teach by Dave Tremblay. Uh, the, the same person that I told you. Yep. Uh, the, my first year, uh, when I was going to release my first guy, he told me, I'm going to sit down next to you. And this is, this, you, you, gotta be, you need to be short. Because if you are not short, probably you stay there all night with the kid crying. Mm-hmm. So you got to be short. You got to tell them, uh, the organization already being a decision. We made a decision that we're going to release you. You got to be go straight. You're going to get released. Uh, you're going to tell the kid that we appreciate everything you did for the organization because they do their best to be in the So We appreciate all the good effort and the good job this kid put for, for, for the organization and that's it that you, you can you can be you can say any more than that because you say anything different than that then you're gonna stay forever with this kid <laughs> talking about anything you know and yeah. I, I've been involved in, in in cases where I have to tell them, hey stay in the stay in the um, in the office I'm gonna go outside take your time cry think what you're gonna do I'm coming back in 10 to 15 minutes what happens if a, what happens if a player says to you, Skip? Uh, you know why why are they releasing me? What what's the reason? <laughs> you know what? You don't want to get in that conversation. No, you don't want to get. You don't. You don't want. It just keeps going. Oh, yes, because the, the decision is already being made. Yeah, I, I never seen somebody that uh, get released and then then we change the we change the, the decision. You know. So when we made that decision, is it because either, either we think it's enough, it's enough. We've already seen the kid for three, four years, and we think it's not going to make it. Right. Because we think uh, we need we need to open spot from somebody else. Yep. Normally, normally those that's, those are the cases when you need to open a spot because we got thirty players and you got another new players coming, and then you have to let people go. So sometimes we just let them go because we need an open spot. You know, yeah, but you don't give the too much explanation to the kid because if not, you're gonna get into an argument back and forth, you know. Right, right. No, no, makes sense, man. That's a tough, that's why the manager is the manager. He's got to deal with that. And it's a very so, difficult thing. Uh, and and I know year, that that's not easy. This year I didn't have anyone yet. Okay. Yeah. And I I just hope I don't have anyone. <laughs> ever in my life because I don't want to be that guy 
but I know it's coming. It's coming because that's that's the reality. That's 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 yeah. what it is. Baseball. Yeah, it's and you got the and you got the draft coming up too. You know, so they're going to be signing players like you said. Hey, listen, here you are, full season minor league baseball, managing, doing all this, a lot of work. Then you go back home to Tenerife, Spain, a beautiful island, a gorgeous place, great facilities, AstroTurf Field. Your office is there. You guys run the pro, you know, a league there, or your team from there also. And you do all these camps all year round. Explain the camps a little bit, what you do, how that all started. Like I said, like I said, everything started with my dad. 1994, he moved. He moved to 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 Spain. 1997, I. I moved to Spain with him. Uh, how did you decide? How did you decide to do the camps? Start camps. Okay, we the the, re- the main reason it was because in Tenerife, in the Canary Islands, we got good weather, good weather the whole year to play baseball. Yeah. And it's the one place, the Canary Islands is the only one place in Europe where you can play baseball the whole year. Yep, that's and big. People don't know, or people people know, but in Europe, uh, most of the countries, all pretty much all the countries in Europe play baseball. Every everybody in Cuba play in, in, in Europe play baseball, but they don't have where to play baseball in the winter. It's impossible to play baseball in Europe in November, December, January, and February. Play baseball, not to practice. They practice indoor. You know, they practice indoor. Probably, like, probably, right. probably just like they do here in North of the United States, in New York or in Chicago. Chicago, no, mm-hmm. they play indoor, mm-hmm. but they cannot play baseball. And kids, kids love playing baseball. They like practicing, but if you tell a kid that hey, you want to play a ball game, say I want to be there. You want to practice? Want to? I want to play. So we said uh, this is a good chance for us uh, to 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 bring players from all over Europe uh, and play baseball in the island because we don't have anybody that can compete with the weather. We got the weather, and we are the only one place in Europe uh, that you can play baseball now. So it was my dad. My my dad he got that idea. It was him, and I I always thought it was a good idea because we had the help uh, and the support from the Spanish Baseball Federation. Uh, you, you know, you know, in Europe we always need the, the help of, from federations. You know, mm-hmm. federations or national federations because uh, they run everything. They run. They pretty much they they you need their support. And we got the support from the Canary Islands uh, Baseball Federation and the Spanish Baseball Federation. And then we started opening these camps in 2009. 2009 was the first time that we opened, we started opening these camps in the winter. And we start with uh, three camps a year. One in February, one in, in, in September, and another one in December. And now we are in the point where we got, like, for example, last week I have the Czech national baseball team uh, asking me if they can come to Tenerife in November for a week for practice and play ball. So everybody wants to come and play baseball or practice in Tenerife now because it's the only one place. Yeah, makes sense. And again, for folks out there, I, anywhere in the world, I'd encourage you to get a hold of Nestor because if you could take your team there and play, you know, in, in that type, type of year, it's a great experience. Not only that, if you could attend one of the camps, great teachers, great instructors, also uh, great support staff. You have a great staff there, Nestor. And, and the reason I bring this up is because you then convinced the WBSC Europe to run this uh, winter league, this uh, European winter league. Talk about how that began and how it went. 
uh, we start talking uh, with uh, with the International Federation like what couple years ago, two years ago. Uh, they like the idea, but but they didn't get in, get involved, you know. But uh, I got a good friend of mine now. It's Pete, Peter Dritich. He's uh, the president for the Czech Republic uh, uh, Federation. Uh, he he came to the islands uh, one time, like two years ago, and I I tried to sell him the project, and I told him, ah, this is a good idea, and, and he likes the project, and he the first thing he told me, I want to be involved in the project because he is the president of the Czech Republic Baseball Federation, but at the same time he's the vice president of the Euro European Baseball Confederation. Mm -hmm. so he told me he would do everything possible for uh, this program to, to continue to, to start. And then uh, he, he, he did everything he needed to do. He touched the bases he needed to touch. And then uh, we find out that last year, we have the first Euro Baseball Winter League. We, we, we were, you were there, you were part of the coaching staff. Uh, it was only for 10 days. But the idea, the main idea is to be uh, playing for a month. Because what I told you before, kids in Europe, they cannot play baseball in the winter. And we want to help and we want to we want baseball in Europe to keep growing. And the only one way European players are going to get better is playing uh, baseball games in the winter. And this is more for 18 you or what kind of age are we talking about that we want to stay with? We're talking about 18, 18 you. Yes, okay. 18 you. Yeah, that's, about, that's the better the better players from Europe is what you're trying to bring into the camp. We're trying to be the best players from Europe to the camp, okay? Plus, at the same time, we are giving the chance to the players to sign professional. You, you know, uh, last year, the Dodgers, they signed two, two players yep. out of camp. So, two players out of, out of a camp in Europe uh, is, is big. It's big. It's difficult. Anywhere, anywhere you have a camp for 10 days and, and you have to play sign, getting signed professional after the camp, it's difficult to get. So last year it was our first uh, our first camp and we got uh, a, play, a pitcher from Russia and a pitcher from Barcelona, Spain. They both mm -hmm. signed with And uh, we, have, we, have a, we, we had a scout from five or six different organizations and, and, and at, at the camp. And they want to come back this year again. So you're giving the ch a chance to the kids to get better, play baseball in the winter. Uh, you give them the, a chance to being watched by scouts. And at the same time, one of one of, of our goals, if maybe probably get them into a scholarship in the United States to go to play in some school or college. That, that's that's another one. A, 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 anything can be pointing to the professional baseball. A lot of kids in Europe, they don't, they are, there are a lot of kids in Europe they don't want to play professional. They want to go to school in the United States. So we want to provide the kids uh, different choices, different options to, to keep uh, playing the game and, and, and realize that the, the dreams are, uh, made, made the dreams come true. Yeah, and folks, just so you know, this you know a great program. Again, run headed up by Nestor Perez Jr. Um, Nestor, Nestor Perez Sr. is there, his coaching staff. He's got great staff medical people. So we're talking about education, medical work, 
uh, classroom work, practices on the field, competition, because they play a tournament at the same time. We've had, some, we actually had a couple of kids out of the camp, uh, Nestor may not have known this, uh, signed sign with colleges also. So that's already starting, Nestor, already a couple of guys have signed in uh, universities in the U.S., fantastic program and if you're if you're from europe and the european baseball federation i know we did a presentation in uh, at the european meetings in slovenia not only myself but also peter dietrich and uh you know you got to be part of this program it is outstanding that's all we can say i did a whole show on it that's how much i thought it was such a great program i don't just do shows just to do them i'm going to do them on important things so nesta i gotta tell you Again, you know, I told you a thousand times, unbelievable program, well-run, professional all the way. And it teaches kids also how to be professional, how to get ready to be professional, whether you're going into a college, top college, or whether you're going into professional baseball, this prepares you for that too. I just want to make sure this year you're coming back with us because you were the best acquisition that we can make. It was your person. You really help a lot. You bring all the knowledge that you have uh, during years and years doing international baseball. And uh, I just want to make sure, and right now in front of all your, all the <laughs> this, that you are coming back with us because we need, we need people like you to stay in our program. And we need to bring more people like you, but we need to keep you. Well, and I had a great time. I want to come back. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I'm going to do my best to be back. Um, and I had so much fun. It was a, just a great experience for myself, too. And I really enjoyed, I got to tell you, the European players. I really enjoyed being around them. Um, you know, and they, they were all great kids. We had a lot of fun. So, hey, listen, uh, thanks Wait, for everything you, you yeah. Yes, yes. You, you didn't say it, but you were, you are worried today. That, 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 I want to say, everybody, that you, you managed a team that the name was the Golden Stars. Yeah, That's right here, baby. And your team won the won the, the, the championship of the of the for the camp. So yeah. you were manager and coach, and that team, the Golden Star, they were the champions of the first edition of the Euro Baseball Winter League. And I'm folks, and I'm gonna tell you this, the honest truth. The reason we won it was two reasons. One, we had a great coaching staff, um, our, our pitching coach and our and our, th our base coach. Not only that, the kids I had on the team. They gelled. You know, everybody talks about chemistry, right? They say, what's chemistry? To me, chemistry is when guys get along really well. And girls and guys, whoever's playing, they're, you know, they're friends. They get along. They help each other. You know, that, that's what, you know, they're not jealous of each other. That's when you got good chemistry. And we had that chemistry because I didn't think we had necessarily the best team. No, no. The best thing was the Red Bulls. Yeah. And you were supposed to finish third and you end up being the champion. <laughs> well, we got lucky. Well, I didn't get lucky. I had great, great, great players. Because I was the, the one that made the teams. I went, and you know, when you make the team, you have an idea. So I say, oh, probably the Golden Star, they might finish third. I'm going to give it to my friend, my friend Kalindo to see how <laughs> guys, you know, made the champion. So that's why a good coach is important. Thank you, Nestor, man. You're the best, man. Give my best to your dad. Hey, uh, good luck the rest of the season. Hope to see you in November. I'm going to work my hardest to be there. Yeah, we need to start working on the camera soon because November is 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 is, is coming soon. November is this corner. Well, you know I'm your biggest supporter, man. I'll do anything for you. Um, love you. You're fantastic. And uh, 
So as soon as you're ready, you let me know and I'll do anything I can to help. I will let you know because like I said, I want you to be by with us and I want you to stay with us forever. All right, man. Folks, Nestor Perez Jr., outstanding. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Pitt. All right, Nestor Perez, thank you. Thank you to Brian Crock, our producer with the Line of Media Group. And thanks to everybody in the U.S. and around the world for joining us. Thank you, ESPN Honolulu. And folks, remember, stay safe, be healthy. God bless you. We'll see you on the next show. This has been Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Listen online at BaseballOutsideTheBox.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm.